I want to have a little bit of fun. You can stay here for a second. I want that praise team to come back up here. I'm going to teach y'all a song. You may know it already, but this is how, this is literally how I feel right now, this song. Have you ever heard, I need just a little more Jesus? No, never heard it. Okay, y'all getting ready to learn it. So what's going to happen is I'm going to say, I need just a little more Jesus, and then y'all going to say, I need just a little more Jesus. Okay. Okay. And no, I've never sang this song before in my life. <laughs> I've never even played it. I came up here a few minutes ago. I think I can play it. And y'all, it's real easy to learn. There's some verses that's really cute. I need just a little more Jesus. That's her own key. Wait. I need just a little more Jesus. Need just a little more Jesus. I 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 need just a little more Jesus. To help me along. Just a little more Jesus. I need 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 just a little more Jesus. Help me along the way. Oh, 
Jesus. I need just a little more 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 Jesus. Help me along the way. about every Monday morning. <laughs> you can be seated. Thank you. That was fun, girls. Thank you for helping me there. And, and brother, our drummer, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I do need more Jesus. I just can't get enough of him. I cannot get enough of him. He is so amazing. And I know that when, uh, when my... Spirit runs out. I know where to go get more. I know when, you know, God's spirit is like, it's a well. It's a never-ending well. And we live so far below our privilege. As women of God, we, we do. And I think what happens is we forget that the power that he took to save us with is the same power that we need every day. And, and sometimes even when you're in ministry, sometimes you just, you go on your own power. You know, it's just kind of like, you just try to, like, I got this, you know. And you, you just have so many things to do, and you kind of forget about where, you know, what you need to, to make it. So y'all keep that little song in your heart. I need just a little more Jesus. A little more would just help me to make it along the way. Um. Some of my earliest memories, I was, I was born in Florida, but I don't remember much about it because I was 10 days old when we moved. <laughs> but we moved to Ohio, and I lived there until I was five or six, five years old, I think. But we, uh, that's where my mom and dad, that's when they got truth was after I was born. So we were usually on our way to church uh, several times a week. They were new converts, and they, there was church going on somewhere. That's where we was going. But some of my earliest memories were in a car. And, uh, you know, you'd be just sitting there in the car in those old cars. You know, you didn't have seatbelts. I don't know how we survived. You're just sitting there in the car, and the sun's flickering through the trees, and you're just going along, going along. And then all of a sudden, now in southern Ohio, it's kind of hilly. And then, it, you know, when you're going into a, uh, you come, the, the, when I say hilly, it's the ones where, you're driving up, you're driving up, driving up like a hill, and then you get to the top of it. When you get to the top of it, it's like they didn't, they just didn't like level the road. It's like you go, and then you're going down like this. And you can't even see if there's anything coming the other way or not. You're just, you know. So you're just driving along, and all of a sudden we would hit one of those dips, and you know, it's like your stomach comes up in your throat. <laughs> well, when that would happen, and it was coming, in, any road we came into, the little town we lived in, there was a hill like that. Some of them were better than others. But they're usually about four or five. So when that would happen, I would immediately jump up to the, to the you know, back, you know, I'd be on my, my arms on the front seat and say, go faster, Daddy, because I knew there was a better one coming next. And I really loved it. It was just so amazing. And so I'd be like, faster, faster, faster. Well, then my sister that's four years older than me, she would be going, Dad, slow down, slow down, Dad. Dad, Dad, slow down. And I'm going, faster, faster. And she's going, Dad, slow down. And my mom's just going, Stanley. <laughs> Being interpreted into the Greek is slow down. And I know if it had not been for my mom and Debbie that we probably would have just catapulted right into outer space. Because it was so awesome. Those old vehicles, you know, we're just flying around in the car. <laughs> I'm on top of my mom's head. And <laughs> it's amazing that we survived. But dad would not slow down until we passed all the, the lumps in the road. And everybody was crying. I was crying because I screamed and laughed so hard. I was crying. And my sister was crying because she really was scared to death. But um, 
I, I loved my dad so much. And I felt at four years of age, he was my hero. I thought there is nothing. I mean, I will go to Mars with him in this car. It was like I trusted him so much. And I just, I felt so safe with him. And, you know, he couldn't go fast enough for me, Sister Wagner. I loved being in the car with my dad. Flash ahead 10 years. Same dad, same road, probably a different car. But I can remember riding that road with a pillow in front of my face, <laughs> promising God, my firstborn child, <laughs> if he would just let me survive and get out of the car with this maniac. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was thinking about that a, a few months ago, and I thought, what changed? I mean, what, what, how did I get from that girl on the back of the seat screaming, go faster, <laughs> to that girl that was like, I, I really did not like riding with him. Honestly, to the day he died, I mean, it was like, I would rather have a root canal than ride with my dad <laughs> because he only passed on blind curves and double yellow lines. And I just, you know, I'd rather drive. And then as he got older, he fell asleep driving. It's like... He said, that's when I get my best sleep. It's when I'm driving. <laughs> but what happened between 4 and 14? And I think, you know, I've, I've decided that uh, maybe life happened. Maybe life happened and I got some trust issues. I don't know. Maybe I saw one too many accidents. <laughs> maybe I, you know, saw a car wrapped around a tree and bodies laying out on the ground. I don't know what it was. Maybe the knowledge and information I had about safety and limitations of vehicles was greater than I had when I was four. But my wisdom had caused me to lose faith. And for some reason, I've been contemplating that lately. Why is it so hard for the mature Christian to trust God? And, and really, when you don't trust God, you get afraid and when you get afraid you lose your joy and it's just a it's a never-ending circle so I want to talk to you a little bit about trust issues have you know what's changed when you that new convert comes in and you know they believe God for everything they're just excited you know God can do anything and and they're just amazed by him and then what happens when you know we get more mature and we start you know well you know we hear somebody saying a new convert's testifying, pray for me, I'm going to go home and visit my parents, and I want to baptize them in Jesus' name. And you're like, yeah, good luck with that. You know, the older, mature Christians, we just have, have we got too much knowledge and too much information maybe to where we just have trust issues that maybe we feel like, you know, well, they'll figure it out. It's, you know, this is not going to happen the way they're thinking. But, I've, I've studied myself about what's going on with me with trust. And I've decided that I, I trust God. I believe God can do anything, but I just have a hard time believing he's going to use me to do it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you're like, well, uh, I know God can heal people, but um, let's call in the big dogs. Let's get Lee Stone King up in here. You know, let's not be pushing no wheelchairs up here while I'm up here. The one, you know, let's let's just talk about joy. You know, <laughs> because I believe God can do it all with all my heart. But can He use me? I might talk about that later tonight. Um, a little bit more about that. But do you remember those days of unwavering faith when you just really believe God? And I I still have those spurts of things that. I remember uh, in the 90s when I talked a little bit earlier about we'd build a house. And um, I felt in prayer that God had told me to write down everything I wanted in a house. Draw it out. Write it out. And so I did. I wrote everything out because we'd been living in the church parsonage for nine years and, and in the church thrift shop for several years before that. <laughs> so I wrote all these things I wanted. And so then my husband, he says, well... We couldn't really find a house that ever had even a, half of the stuff I wanted on there, let alone just the one we could afford. So he decided to build, and he said, uh, draw out a floor plan like you want. 
And so I put everything I wanted in that floor plan, and he just laughed at it. He's like, we got to have walls, Wanda. I mean, you know, you got to hold the roof up with something. This is like an architect's nightmare. This will cost us $4 million to build this house. But I was like, well, you're the one that preached all this faith into me. I, I, I figure, you know, if, I wanna, if, if I'm going to ask, I'm going to be specific. So sometimes I, you know, it's amazing that we, even ministers, people that are ministering, they'll, they preach the faith, but then when it comes to living it, he'll say, you just got to be real, Wanda. Just be realistic. <laughs> be realistic. But God blew our mind. We couldn't find a house in our price range, so we decided to build. We started building, and we, you know, build a little bit here and build a little bit there. And it took, and we built it in six months, which wasn't, you know, that was amazing. And we had, right during that time, this plumber guy that had been in our church years ago, retired, moved back to Spring Lake, and did all the plumbing and wouldn't let us pay him. And this electrician guy, you know, he's like, I want to do the wiring. And, and then this... Uh, well, the framer was a guy that was his wife had come to our church. He had never been in the church, never has been in the church. He brought his whole crew over, framed the whole house, and wouldn't let us pay him a penny. So really all we had was just what we put into the house. We even had people, uh, one lady pulled up in our driveway one day, and she come pulling all these hoses out of her car. I said, what are you doing? She had brought me a central vacuum cleaning system. I didn't even know they existed. And... Just on and on and on. So it winds up, you know, long story short, and this is not even, I wasn't even going to mention this today, but winds up we got like a $300,000 home, and we have in the land and the house $55,000. So, you know, that kind of faith gets preached into you, but then, you know, you're like, well, be realistic. But one of the things that um, that I feel is a, is that, that, causes us to have trust issues is discouragement and discouragement I mentioned it earlier but discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm and I, I read in Exodus the sixth chapter where Moses you know he's trying to encourage his brethren that are they're they're, they're slaves in Egypt and he's come to tell them that you know I'm going to deliver you and they're like oh yeah you Moses you you know you've been raised with a silver spoon in your mouth you know, you're really going to help us. And they had no confidence in him. And here they are. They're, ever since he shows up, they not only are still, ser- you know, servants, slaves, but now they don't even get uh, mor- mortar straw for their brick. They're having to make mortar without straw. So it's got worse since Moses came back. And as I read, you know, he's trying to encourage him in Exodus 6, chapter, verse 4, you know, he's telling them that God says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And he goes on and on telling them how he's going to be their, he's remembered their covenant, he, he wants to be their God. And so, Moses, down in verse 9, Moses spake unto the children of Israel all these promises that God gave them. It says, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Anguish of spirit is in one translation says they could not receive the promise because their hearts were discouraged. And sometimes we just have trust issues. We cannot be encouraged because we're just, you know, there's been too many things go wrong in our life. Too many things bad has happened. And, you know, Jesus didn't show up. You know, how? what better way can we say? God didn't come through for me. You say, you think, that's what you think. But discouragement can really cause us to have trust issues. And these guys had no confidence in Moses. They had no confidence in God or each other. They were just discouraged. They were in anguish of spirit. But um, facts, uh, facts are facts. You can't change facts. But you can change your attitude about the facts. Um. You know, the fact is you're stopped in traffic, there's an accident, and it's going to be a two-hour delay. There's no way to get, that's the facts. You can't change that. You can be mad at whoever, you know, was texting and ran into a semi. You know, or you can be mad because there's road construction. Or you can sit there and you say, the facts are, I'm going to be sitting in this car for two hours. The facts are... 
God could be protecting me from a head-on collision. The facts are, I have two hours now that I don't have to explain to anybody where I'm at. It's not my fault. I can listen to music. I can put my, turn my audio Bible on. I can stick a message in that I have li- want to listen to again. The facts are what they are. But what you perceive the facts, that's, that's up to you. You know, when, when I read in the Word of God, it's amazing. Elijah, Elijah, in 1 Kings 18 and 19, he was like on fire. I mean, he was like, you know, running things. You know, God's bringing fire down out of heaven. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he ran and hid in the cave. <laughs> like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. It's like, did God not just kill all those prophets of Baal? You think he can't kill one crazy woman? (laughs) But he had, even Elijah, had trust issues. Like, you know. And even in the New Testament, Jesus talks to them. and He says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he also said in Mark 10, 27, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He's talking about... The, the things that we think are just, there's no way. But there is nothing impossible with God. And I know as a mother that, um, and as a, you know, a wife, as a, as a sister, uh, there's things that happen in our church, and I pray about it. Things that happen in our family, I pray about it. And, and usually I can give God a really good plan. Like, Lord, this needs to happen, and this needs to happen, and it needs to be happening by, like, at least 2 o'clock because we're running out of time here. <laughs> The problem is, like, some days I wake up and I think I'm God. But he never wakes up and thinks he's Wanda, so. I sometimes have trust issues. I really do. And I I was thinking about one time that um, Sister Sanders reminded me of this story this morning that I shared when I was in Hawaii. But um, my son, Court, my middle son, he was one of these just... He's so awesome. He's such an awesome kid. But he was pretty easily influenced when he was younger. So he was working with this guy, and he comes home from work one day. He's like, well, I have an announcement to make, family. I am now a bona fide United States Army National Guardsman. And we were like, what? He's like, yep, I signed up today. I'm in the National Guard. We're like. We have lived at a military base since you were one. What part of you don't want to be in the Army do you not understand? (laughs) He's like, Mama. Because he had this girlfriend that he was in love with. He wanted to ask her to marry him. He's like, Mama, they're going to give me $6,000 bonus. I'm like, you will be 90 years old before you get all that. (laughs) They don't tell you the truth, uh, uh, the whole story. You know, you're going to get $6,000, but it's going to be 100 here and 100 there and 100 here. He's like, no, Mama, that's how I'm going to go on my honeymoon. I'm going to have a honeymoon, $6,000. So off he goes to basic training. It was like a nightmare. I thought, what could be worse, you know? So he calls me, and he's like, you know, um. It was horrible. You know, it's just the whole, anybody ever had their kid go to basic training? This is so sad. You can't talk to him for four weeks, and you're like, and then, He's, he, was, he had the one station, AIT, where he's going to uh, the same place for, like, I don't know, 18 weeks from basic to all the way through. And, like, the, it's almost done, and I'm talking to him one morning because we have two minutes once a week. He's like, it's getting better, Mom. They gave us milk today. I'm like, what? You've been running six miles a day without milk? I am coming over there. I am going to kill everybody on that bank. Oh, it was so, it was the hardest thing. So then he got through that, and, and they did. They got married, and, you know, they was married a couple of years, had a little girl. And then I'm at Ladies Prairie Treat down at the beach, and my husband calls me. Did you hear the news? I'm like, no, what? They called up the National Guard. You know, September 11th had happened, and the National Guard got called up. And he's like, Wanda, I just want you to know court's going. I'm like, I do not receive that. I don't, don't speak that, babe. 
Uh, it ain't nothing about speaking it. That's, uh, that's, the, that's in the newspaper. The National Guard is going to Iraq. And I was like, well, my son is not going to Iraq. I, God, I know my God. I trust my God. He is not going to let my baby go to no Iraq. So I was just, you know, fired up. I said, I'm not even receiving this phone call. I just put it out of my mind, and I had me a good retreat. I said, I don't even want to pray about it because I know my God ain't going to let my baby go to no Iraq. So, he's got a five-month-old baby, and guess what? He got orders for Iraq. So, I'm like, give me them orders. So, I took them in my office, and I made me a copy of them. I put them in my Bible. I would pray over them orders, like, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this from his life. I will not receive this. God, I know you are going to come through, and my son is not going to war. And I believed it, too. I'm not, I mean, I believed it with all my heart. I knew God was going to perform a miracle. I had been at uh, Fort Bragg for 30 years and knew that orders don't get changed. But, hey, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> so I'm just praying my little heart out and believing God and speaking faith and speaking positive and just being all, all I can be. And so I had no problem trusting God was going to change court's orders. None. In fact, I even facilitated that miracle. I got in touch with my congresswoman, and I said, look, this is the deal. He is our, we have a, a very large church, and we have a very, he is our music leader. It's very important. He's a very integral part of our church, and we cannot lose him. This is a military area. The military, this, church, this town depends on this church, and we depend on him. And she's like, well, I'll see what I can do. So I'm telling you what, she called us back in a few weeks. By this time, now, he had done went to Louisiana and stayed down there six or so, eight weeks with all his battle buddies. And now he's in Afghanistan waiting to get shipped into uh, his fob, you know, up there. And he was way up there by the Kurdish border, Turkey, Turkish border with the, where the Kurds are. That's where he was going to be. And uh, so he's still in Afghanistan. He's still safe. He's still in a safe place. He's like, Mama, they got an Olympic-sized pool. It's awesome here. I'm like, well, you just get, don't get used to it because you ain't staying because my God is going to come through. Sure enough, she called us, and she's like, well, I'm going to have him home within the week. He'll be home with, before two weeks for sure. He will be on. He will be back at Fort Bragg. And I'm like, mm. I knew my God was not going to let my baby go to no Iraq. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm just prophesying it everywhere. Just God, I told you God is not going to let my I knew the Lord was going to come through. He is a mighty God. He is a faithful God. Hallelujah. So she said, all we need is for, to, I need to talk to him in person. And he just needs to tell me what he, you know, what to do and, and, and all his inf private information. And we'll get all the, all the ball, you know, get the ball rolling. I'm like, all right. So we're waiting for, to get that connection made. And so finally, it happened, and so Court uh, calls Amanda, and she's at my house, and she goes, Caitlin Court, and I'm like, okay. So she goes in the bedroom, shuts the door, and I'm like waiting. She comes out. She's bawling and squalling. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, Mom, he won't come home. And I'm like, what? He said he can't leave his battle buddies over there. I'm like, I'll battle his buddy. He needs to get his tail home right now. What, I, what battle buddy? I'm his mama. I done battled and warred and fought hell for this, and he better get his tail home. Where's the? Get him on the phone. He goes, Mama, he ain't coming. He's not coming. He told me. He said he didn't even want to talk to you about it. And I was like, oh, I was mad. You talk about mad. I was mad. I said, well, let me tell you one thing. He better not come home with one scratch. I will go over there, and I will kill every Iraqi person in the whole continent. I will kill every military, Army, Navy, Marines. I'll kill them all. He better not have a scratch on his body when he comes home. Oh, I was so mad. I said, and when he gets here, I'm going to beat the tar out of him. I done facilitated this miracle, and he's just turning it down. What is his problem? Oh, Lord have mercy. I was, I was so mad I was crying. And when I start crying and I'm mad, you know it's, it's you better get out of town. 
My husband is sitting there looking at me. I am like flipping out. So finally I go in my closet of prayer. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not talking to him. I, I have talked to him and I talked to him. And this is what's happened. What's good is done. I am not speaking to God. I'm not. I, I've had it. He don't listen to me. He's tricked me. Got me thinking I've done some kind of, mate, there's been a miracle. And no, he, I, I didn't even think about praying about court stinking attitude. Oh, I was so mad. I was just fuming. Every cell in my body wanted to just blow up the whole Middle East. I wanted to just blow them off the map. I was like, just, I see, a, I saw a bumper sticker said, Nuke them till they glow in the dark and fight them at night. I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, I was mad. I couldn't imagine a year without my son, with my son in, in, the, in the middle of a war. I couldn't imagine that. He's got a five-month-old daughter. She's going to be 17 months old when he gets home. She's not even going to know him. I'm like, what is he thinking? Oh, it broke my heart. I believe with every fiber of my being that God could change his orders. God was able. But I just had a hard time trusting God to protect him and bring him home. Saved and safe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was God ignoring me? No. He was protecting, blessing, anointing, and keeping court. Court came home safe, a better man you know, for having gone. But I tell you, I had such a hard, hard time with that. Oh, it was so, it was crazy. And it was my fault because I had trust issues. I'm here to tell you today that God cares as much about your child or more than you do. You can trust him with your child. You can trust him. I know, um, it was weird when I finally did start speaking to God again. It was usually about 3 o'clock in the morning. I would wake up with this heavy burden for court. And I would get up and start praying. And you know how us really smart and wise Christians are. We know we don't just bust up in there and go, Jesus! You know, <laughs> we, we know we got to say, now, Lord, I worship you, I praise you, I adore you, I love you. And so we got all this worship stuff. We know we're supposed to do that first. You know, adoration, acts, adoration, confession. Confess all your sins. Lord, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Thank you, Lord. Then thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, God, for everything. Then supplication, right? <laughs> then you can finally ask him after you've done all the other stuff. So by the time I'd get around to actually talking to him about court, I could not ask God to protect him. It's like it, by that time I was really feeling the Lord, and I'm, and I would just, and it's uh, this is, sounds so funny and so self, uh, you know, we talk about the all about me thing. I said I could not bear the thought that Court was laying over there in Iraq in his sleeping bag or whatever he was sleeping on, missing me, because <laughs> now we are tight. And I, I could not bear the thought that he was laying over there missing me or missing his baby or missing, you know, his wife or like laying there homesick or crying. So I would just pray, God, keep his morale up. Keep him encouraged. Encourage him, God. Keep him, you know, keep him happy. And he's such a joyful, you know, cut up kind of guy anyway. Always, you know, just real upbeat. So I would just pray for his morale. Oh, God, just encourage him. Keep him encouraged. You know, build his... Uh, his faith and help him, you know. All, but I couldn't really ever say, you know, God protect him because I was going to go kill everybody if they mess with him. I mean, I was done. I was like, I was, I was going to have a whole new movie like Rambo on steroids. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna be Breaking Bad. You know, Rambo ain't never seen what I was going to do if he, he got hurt. <laughs> In my imagination, I would lay in bed at night and think about that movie I was going to make, and it was going to be a documentary. I could just see my, me down, just, you know, low crawling with my camouflage paint on. Ooh, 
But I could not pray for his protection. So one day I took Amanda to lunch. We're sitting there talking, and we're, I said, she said something about she was up or she said, I got woke up at 3, and I couldn't go back to sleep. I said, 3? That's when I wake up and pray for court every morning. She, she, I said, it's like every morning, bam, I'm just awake. She goes, me too. And we're like, I wonder what time it is over there at 3 o'clock, you know. So, uh, and I would sometimes, I couldn't, I would pray until I get relief. But if I couldn't get relief, I'd wake my husband up. You know, I was like, we need to pray for court. And he'd be like, oh, God. I'm like, no, get up and pray. But she she had the same deal. So we start talking, and I was like, and the weirdest thing, Amanda, I said, I cannot. It's like when I pray, I never really get around to praying for God to protect him. She goes, me either. She said, it's like all I worry about is him being depressed and down. I just keep praying for him to have the joy of the Lord and, and to be encouraged. And I'm like, okay, somebody needs to be praying for God, God to protect him. Because like me and you, we're like, <laughs> we worried about him <laughs> missing us <laughs> and being happy. It's like, hopefully some old lady in our church is praying for his protection. Because <laughs> we like totally praying for something different. So it's, it was amazing because... Uh, late, he, he was supposed to come home in January. Well, in November, we were having that big name conference in, um, in the Connecticut, and it was going to be huge. It was at the biggest uh, resort. Is, well, actually, it was at the resort side of a casino called Foxwoods, and we had, like, this huge deal going on. It was going to be amazing, and we wanted Court to come lead the music because there ain't nobody like Court, you know. So I wrote the, um, I kind of wrote the colonel a letter. <laughs> And explain to him why it was so very much important that court got to come. I said, you know, he's only going to be coming home a couple months early, maybe a month early. And surely, you know, you can spare one little guy for like a month. And, you know, I told him all this stuff. And so I wrote this letter to him like in the summer trying to get court home, you know. And so, so lo and behold, we get a letter back from the colonel. And what I didn't know <clears throat> until court got home because he didn't tell us any details, trust me. He was very wise. <laughs> but Court was attached to the colonel. There was seven men attached to the colonel. And Court was, had been trained at, at uh, Fort Knox as a gunner. Well, they didn't, they didn't take tanks to Iraq. So Court was actually the 50 caliber guy, you know, that rode on top of the colonel's Humvee with the machine gun. He's the guy, the target guy. You know, if you take him out, then you got the... So that's what Court did the whole time he was in Iraq, which I didn't know until he was home. <laughs> but so the colonel wrote us back, and he said, you know, I totally understand this situation, and I, I you know, if it was in my power, you know, I, he said, it's not in my power. I, I, that's not, that's completely out of my hands. I can't do anything about it. He said, but even if I could do this, honest to goodness, he said, I... I honestly could not afford for court to come home right now. And he began to tell us, he said, your son has made such an impact. He said, he is the morale of this whole unit. And he began to tell stories. He said, we will be driving into an unknown situation. We have no idea. And he said, court will be on top, you know, sitting in his position, singing some silly song making up the words as he goes, have us rolling laughing. And he's like, you know, we're, it just, it's, it's like he is the morale. He keeps us, he said he makes every day, every mission doable. And when I read that letter, I began to weep, and I thought, this is why I can't pray for his safety because he is, he is doing what God wanted him to do. He was the one keeping everybody's morale up and keeping everybody encouraged and keeping everybody you know, with their hearts up. And um, God is so faithful. Here I thought God forgot me and ignored me. And both times, you know, wouldn't let court come home from Afghanistan and wouldn't send him home a few weeks early, seriously, from Iraq. But uh, God, you can trust him. You can trust him with your kids. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your relationships. You can trust him. You do not need to have trust issues with God because he is faithful, and he knows what we don't know. He knows things that 
on down the road that we just we can't see and we've just got to trust him he cares more about your child more about your sister more about your mom more about your husband more about your finances than you do and we trust god to get us saved but then we we feel obligated to keep ourselves saved you know it's like such sometimes when you if you feel like living for god is a struggle it's really a heart issue you just need to fall in love with him all over again you need to trust him again we believe god can save us but we can't he can't sustain us we believe in the power of the cross but the resurrection power is lost on us sometimes we have dreams. We think as a Christian that we should be powerful and energized. But serving God sometimes becomes just another drain. You know, we have families, our businesses, and then the requirements of the church. We have Bible studies. We have books to read. We have classes to teach. We have choir practice. We have praise practice. We have, you know, another Bible study. And then we have a meeting. And we have this and we have that. And it's pretty soon... God, that whole entity, you know, that we wrap God around the church, that all just becomes one more burden, one more drain on us. But honestly, it's not supposed to be like this. He is, our, he is supposed to empower us and energize us. And sometimes we take on things that are not our responsibility. Even even me as a pastor's wife, you know, I've, I had to come to a place in my life where, like, you know, I'm not the Savior. I can't fix, like the song said, I can't fix you because I'm trying to fix me. I can't fix you. I can't. And I had to just come to a, a place in my life where I said, you know what, God? These people in this church, I love them. And, I, you know, I'm here to hug them when things are going bad and party with them when things are going good but i have nothing to do i have nothing to do with whether they make it to heaven or not because i only have enough you know brain and energy to and the holy ghost for to make it for myself even my husband is not going to be able to stand before god and say now lord she really tried you know she she did her best no i can't stand before god for my kids and say you know god now you know, he, he take into consideration, I was his mother, so, you know, just be easy on him. No, we are going to stand before God for ourselves. So we need to release that burden and that, uh, that feeling of responsibility. Now, I'm not saying that we just say, well, everybody just make it on your own. No, I'm saying you cannot allow your responsibilities in the kingdom to become a drain. If it drains you, then you need to make sure you are plugged into the right power source. Because if you plugged into somebody that's not, and I might talk about that later tonight, you have got to make sure that you trust him. Trust him. I, I tell you what, I trust God, and I believe that he has a plan for me. And with this whole situation that happened with court, you know, it's like, Man, if our family could survive that, we can survive anything. That's how, you know, kind of how I felt at the time. And it made us closer. It helped his, I mean, I remember him crying on my shoulder. He's like, because he had just got invited to speak at his very first music conference. And he, it was going to, he had to cancel it because he was going to Iraq. He's like, Mama, why would God do this to me? Why would God, you know, I finally get a door open and he just slams it shut. When I get back, they won't even remember who I am. And I said, Court, God never closes the door without opening a window. You don't know. And even though in my heart I was uh, mad as fire, I had to encourage him and say, you know, it's going to be okay. But God, you know, now I think about what God has done through him, just through that, the things he acquired and the, the confidence he got in his God, being there by himself, it's amazing. And to think that I had a hard time trusting God to bring him home safe and saved. <laughs> Ladies, I, 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 wanted, I want you, I've been open with you. I've been real with you. And I would like, now it's your turn. If you are struggling with discouragement, 
if you're struggling with trust issues, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to sing, and I'm just going to ask you to find a place to pray, whether you kneel at your seat, whether you come up here. And don't be ashamed to, to come forward because there is strength in corporate prayer. And when some sister can lay her hand on your shoulder and pray with you and help you through, you know, last year maybe it was your t- time to help pray with somebody, but this year it's your turn. You need to get that, you need to get that strength that you need. Because the enemy is, he is lying to us. He is keeping us confused. And the lack of trust is really something we need to look at and make sure that we've, you know, we understand what that is really saying. And if you're having trouble with discouragement, you're having problems with just trusting God and believing that um, all things really are going to work together for good then let's, let's have a time of prayer this afternoon before we leave. And let's seek the face of God and say, God, you know, I, I don't know the answer, but you do. And uh, if you'll just stand, I'm going to go to the piano. i 
trust him. You can trust him. 